Welcome to the Kindred Church Podcast, where we talk about God, faith, and real life. This is Daniel Childs. I'm the host of the podcast and the pastor of Kindred Church. To learn more about how to connect with our community, check out our website at www.kindrednc.church. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. We're glad you've tuned in for today's episode. Now, let's talk about God. Well, today we are continuing our sermon series that's called Soul Sisters, where we're looking at the stories of five different women in the Bible because these women have so much to teach all of us about faith and what it means to respond to God in our lives. As I've mentioned in in previous weeks, you know, unfortunately, these women and their stories have tended to be overshadowed and and overlooked throughout the the church's history for, for different reasons. So we're hoping to counteract that in this series as we spend some time getting to know these women because their stories are helpful and inspirational and important for all of us. So I'm excited to to get into today's message with you. But before we do that, would you pray with me? Well, gracious and loving God, we thank you for this time that we have to, to open ourselves up to you to turn our our hearts and and our minds towards you, to to reflect, God, uh, on the calling that you've placed on our lives and and the comfort and the care that you have for us as well. God, we ask you to make us open to the words of comfort that you have for us today, but also make us open to the ways you're working to to push us and and challenge us to grow and, and become more like the people that you've created us to be. Thank you for your love and your care for us. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus, who is the living word. Amen. Well, today, I want us to think together about one of our values here at Kindred, and I want us to think about why this is important. Uh, As many of you know, Kindred is a United Methodist community, and along with the rest of our denomination and and several other denominations as well, uh, at Kindred, we value the role of women in leadership. We value the role of women in leadership, and we value the role of women in in ordained ministry, that is, female pastors. Now, we don't currently have any female pastors on our kindred staff, because right now I'm the only pastor on kindred staff, and and I'm not a female. Um, But nevertheless, if you hang around kindred for very long, I think you're going to see lots of women leading. You're going to see women teaching and and even preaching. Um, Next Sunday, in fact, our our friend Toby Nguyen is going to be here for us, and and Pastor Toby uh, is a she. So we'll, we'll get to hear from her just next week. Now, I know some of you uh, are coming from church backgrounds where this is nothing new. Some of you are coming from church backgrounds where you've had female pastors your whole life and or women were were able to lead in the churches that you've been a part of at at any level. And and so some of you may be thinking, well, do we really need to talk about this? Does any of this require an explanation? Some of you may even be a little bit offended by this. Like, why do we need to give this uh, an explanation? We're not up here having a sermon uh, about why men can, can lead. Or, or something like that. Uh, and if, if you're feeling that way, then I resonate with you. And, and that's actually been my own experience of church for the, the most part. So I do resonate with that. Uh, however, I do think this is important for us to talk about for several reasons. Uh, one is that some others of you are coming from church backgrounds where women were not allowed to lead, or at the very least, women were not allowed to be pastor. So this is new for you, and it's, it's deserving of an explanation. You may have questions about it. Uh, another reason to, to talk about it is that the truth is uh, we're actually in the minority among Christians. If you think about all the, the churches and denominations worldwide, and even all the denominations and, and churches in this country, uh, we're in the minority. Most of them place restrictions 
on women to, to some degree. It's not all the same restrictions, but, but to some degree, uh, most churches, unfortunately, from our perspective, restrict the roles of, of women. And they do that because in their view, uh, Scripture supports that. And in some cases, they would say Scripture mandates that. And so I think it's worth exploring why we see it differently and why we believe that our view is in line with Scripture and that our view is in line particularly with the example of Jesus. Now, I should say, as a side note here, that if, if you're thinking this whole conversation uh, just shows how backwards and, and chauvinistic Christians are, I would point out to you that this is not just a, a church problem, sadly. Uh, it's easy to throw stones at the church, and the church is certainly worthy of, of critique, but this is a larger societal issue as well. You know, there are so many industries where women are struggling to be treated equally, where women are struggling to, to receive equal pay and equal opportunities for promotion. Uh, politically speaking, you know, we just recently elected our, our first female vice president, but we've still in this country never had a female president. So as much as some of us would like to take for granted the value of women in, in leadership, we're just not at a place where we can take it for, for granted. And it's important that we keep talking about it. So for all those reasons and, and many more, I, I do think it's important that we think together about why we value the role of women in leadership here at Kindred and, and why we believe that our view aligns with scripture and, and aligns with the example of Jesus as well. Uh, now, having said all of that, uh, this is a massive, massive topic. There are hundreds, probably thousands of, of books about uh, the history of the role of women in the church and, and in scripture. And if we tried to cover every dimension of, of all of this, uh, we wouldn't have time. And I would probably bore you to tears. You'd fall asleep. But that's okay. That's okay. Because my goal this morning is not to equip you with some ironclad argument for why we're right and all the other churches that do it differently are, are wrong. I'm really not here to throw shade at other churches at all. That's not what this is about. But for our purposes this morning, I do just want to highlight one way, one way that our view of the role of women aligns with that of Jesus. I want to highlight for us one way that our view of the role of women aligns with a, a pattern that we see in Jesus's ministry. And to help us explore this, I actually want us to just focus in on one woman in particular, because I think her story illuminates this, this wider pattern that we see in Jesus's ministry. So uh, with that in mind, let's talk for a minute about a woman named Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene. Uh, first things first, this is not Mary, the, the mother of Jesus. That's a, that's a different Mary. There are actually something like six different distinct Marys who show up in the stories of Jesus's life, which makes things a little bit confusing at, at times. It was just a, a popular name in that culture and, and at that time. But we're talking today about Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene. Well, if you've heard of Mary Magdalene at all, you may have heard that she was a former prostitute. Uh, this is often how she's been identified throughout history, but the truth is that there is absolutely no evidence for that whatsoever. You may be surprised to know that. Where did this whole idea come from then? Well, it actually goes back, most people think, to this sermon that was preached by a pope in the 6th century. He was giving this Easter sermon, and without hardly any biblical evidence or, or justification for it, he just kind of speculated that Mary Magdalene had been a, a prostitute, and um, that unfortunately 
stuck. That identity, that narrative stuck. Fast forward several centuries to the Renaissance, and it was very popular during the Renaissance for artists to, to portray biblical scenes. And as uh, different artists during the Renaissance period would portray Mary Magdalene, uh, they would often do so, making her out to be a, a figure who was kind of provocative, kind of uh, suggestive and, and seductive, at least by the, the standards of, of that time. And so that further solidified this idea that Mary Magdalene had been uh, a prostitute, despite there being no evidence for this whatsoever. Uh, well, that whole mistaken identity has actually given rise to another baseless theory about Mary Magdalene's identity. And maybe you've heard of this, um, th this idea that Mary Magdalene was uh, a love interest or, or perhaps even a, a romantic partner of Jesus. If you've seen the movie Jesus Christ Superstar, you've seen this. If you read the book The Da Vinci Code or saw the movie with, with Tom Hanks, um, actually in that story, it comes out that Mary Magdalene is actually Jesus' baby mama. So sorry for the spoiler alert if you, if you haven't seen it. Well, I love Jesus Christ Superstar. I think it's a beautiful, uh, powerful musical. I'd encourage everybody to see it, but it is just a, a musical. And this whole idea of Mary as a love interest of Jesus completely fabricated. And, and The Da Vinci Code is a, a super entertaining story. Um, not trying to knock it as a, as a story, but it is a, a fiction story. And what's so unfortunate about all this baseless speculation about Mary Magdalene is that all it's done is, is to just cover up and misrepresent the, the true vital role that Mary actually played in Jesus's ministry. Um, and, you know, it, it kind of runs parallel to how uh, many women who, who played key roles in the story of, of Jesus, they, their, their roles have been overshadowed and, and misrepresented. So I want us to, to take a minute to, to uncover who is the real Mary Magdalene. What do we actually know about her? Because this is so instructive. Well, uh, one thing we know about Mary Magdalene is that she was from a little town called Magdala. Her name, Mary Magdalene, is actually kind of a nickname. It just means Mary of Magdala. Magdala was a little town that was actually not that far from where Jesus grew up. Uh, he grew up over in a town called Nazareth. And we know that uh, Mary got involved with Jesus' ministry at a very early point. And she was one of Jesus's first and, and most important disciples. Now, she's not mentioned as being one of the 12 apostles, you know, that, that inner circle of, of 12 guys that, that were uh, followers of, of Jesus. But nevertheless, she's mentioned in the same breath as those 12 apostles. And when we first meet Mary, we discover that she's got a very specific and she's got a very important role that she plays within Jesus's ministry. So what is that? Well, you may have noticed that Jesus, as far as we know, never had a job. The, the whole time he was doing his public ministry, and, and even outside of those years, to, to our knowledge, Jesus never earned an income. And neither, for that matter, did his 12 apostles. And when Jesus called the, the 12, you know, people like Peter and James and John uh, and Andrew, you know, Jesus told them to quit their jobs, leave your nets, follow me, leave your, your tax collecting booth in, in Matthew's case and come and, and follow me. They had to quit their jobs and the gig that Jesus was giving them was full time, but it wasn't a paid position. So all of this kind of begs the question of who was funding Jesus's ministry? 
uh, who was paying for the, the food that Jesus and the apostles needed and the, the clothes that they wore and the beds they slept on and the sandals on their feet and, and all the other resources that they needed to focus on ministry. Well, the gospel writers, and these are the, the four folks who, who documented the, the story of Jesus for us, uh, they actually give us an answer to this. It turns out there was this group of women, women of, of financial means, and they actually traveled around with Jesus and, and with the, the 12 apostles, and they funded the ministry. Uh, they, they empowered, they provided the, the resources that Jesus needed, that the apostles needed, that, that they themselves needed to focus on ministry full time. And when we first meet Mary Magdalene, the, the first thing we learn about her is that she was one of these wealthy women. When we first meet her, she was funding and, and empowering Jesus's ministry, spreading the good news, bringing people to, to Jesus as well. And that would be a great legacy in its own right, for sure, but her story is far from over. It doesn't end there. Now, fast forward to the end of Jesus' ministry. And as some of you know, as Jesus was coming to his final days before going to the cross, Jesus made this journey, this long journey from his home region in Galilee all the way to the big city of Jerusalem. And he knew when he got there that he would be crucified. The disciples didn't really know that. Um, but by the time he gets to the cross, by the time he's up there on, on Good Friday, most of the disciples had seen how this had taken a turn for the worse, and they had abandoned Jesus. And many of them had denied they ever even knew Jesus by this point. But what we know is that Mary Magdalene made that journey to Jerusalem with Jesus and even as the other disciples were falling away and abandoning Jesus, Mary Magdalene was one of the very few who stuck by his side. In fact, Mary Magdalene was one of the very few disciples who was there at the crucifixion. She was right there with Jesus all the way to the bitter end. Again, that in and of itself would be an extraordinary legacy for Mary Magdalene, but her story still doesn't end there. That brings us to, to Easter morning, and this is the story from Luke chapter 24 that we heard a, a few minutes ago. Uh, Easter morning comes, it's, it's early in the morning, and, and do you remember who is the first person who gets up early that morning and, and goes to the tomb? It's Mary Magdalene. Yeah, the, the other, uh, some of the gospel writers say that um, there was a, a several women, actually, who went along with Mary Magdalene to the tomb. Um, John, in his gospel, tells us that it was Mary who went by herself. So there's some minor discrepancy in the, the particular details there, but all four gospel writers agree that it was Mary Magdalene who was the first person to the tomb on Easter morning. Uh, Mary initially went because she wanted to anoint the body with spices. And this was part of the Jewish burial ritual. It was also part of the grieving process. It was a way of, of saying your final goodbyes to somebody that you loved, uh, that you loved and, and, and cared about. So that's why she went to the tomb. But you know the story. She got there and she discovers that the, the stone had been rolled away from the entrance and Jesus' body isn't there. And, and Mary doesn't know what the heck is going on. So she steps inside the tomb to, to try to see what she can learn. And when she does that, she's met by these two angels. And these two angels explain to her that Jesus is no longer dead, that he's been raised from the dead. And what comes next is, is a part of the story that so often gets overshadowed. But the angels go on and they tell Mary, they say, go, go, Mary, tell the other disciples, that is 
for the most part, the male disciples, uh, go tell the other disciples, go announce to them, go preach to them that Jesus is raised from the dead. Isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting that it's Mary, a female, who's entrusted with being the first preacher of the resurrection on Easter morning. It wasn't Peter, James, John, none of the male disciples, but, but it was Mary. And for that reason, she's sometimes called the apostle to the apostles, that, that she was the first preacher who preached the, the good news to all of those who would then themselves go out and, and preach in, in different parts of the world. Well, that's the true story. That's the real story of who Mary Magdalene is. And I wanted to, to share her story with us this morning because I think it illustrates a, a wider pattern that we see in the ministry of, of Jesus, that uh, Jesus included women and Jesus empowered women, uh, often in ways that were countercultural and, and even scandalous uh, at, at times. You know, some scholars have pointed out how scandalous it would have been at that time that the, the person playing the leading role on Easter morning, that the, the first preacher of the, the resurrection was in fact uh, a woman. Um, and in fact, many scholars have said this is a, a good reason for thinking that this whole Easter story, as extraordinary as it sounds, that it, it probably wasn't just made up. Because, you know, in that time, in that culture, if you were going to make up a story like this and you wanted more people to believe it, you would never cast a woman in this prominent leading role, being the, the key witness of the, the resurrection. Because unfortunately, in that culture, women were, were considered unreliable. They were considered less believable. Oftentimes, women were prevented from even being able to testify in court for that reason. And yet, the gospel writers who document this Easter story for us, they're not making something up. They're not trying to just make it more believable. That's not their, their goal. They just tell us what happened. And what happened is that Mary played this leading role. And she got to be the first preacher of the resurrection. Well, uh, as countercultural as that was, that's right in line. That's right in line with the ways that Jesus, in so many other instances, included and, and empowered women in his ministry. I could give other examples of this outside of just Mary Magdalene, but the bottom line for us at Kindred is that we believe that when we include and, and empower women to be leaders in ministry, we're right in line with the example of Jesus. Uh, we, we just believe that we're better for it, that our church is stronger and more faithful when we empower women for leadership in any role, at any level in the church, just like we see Jesus doing in his context. Well, in light of all of this, in light of all of this, here's something that I want to be sure and emphasize to you this morning. And I hope you knew this before you started watching this, but, uh, but, but I think it's worth emphasizing anyways. And, and that is that your gender, however you identify, your gender does not restrict the roles that you can play within our kindred community. I'm going to say that again because I think it's so important. Your gender does not restrict the roles that you can play within our kindred community. That means if you feel called to lead, uh, you should pursue that. You know, Let me know. We'll, we'll figure out a way for, for you to lead. We're always looking for more leaders. 
And if you feel called to teach and, and preach, if you feel called to go to seminary and, and be a pastor, your gender is no reason not to pursue that. And if you're thinking that, again, let me know. I would love to know that. And I'll think with you about how our church family can come alongside you to, to support you as you're uh, testing and, and discerning and, and answering that call. I'll, I'll end with this uh, here. Many of you know that uh, I have a daughter. Her name's Lydia. She's, she's two. And as she grows up, I have several goals as a, a parent, and particularly a, a Christian parent. But one of my goals is that I want to help her to understand that God has given her unique gifts and abilities. And I want her to understand that, that God has a, a special purpose, that God has a calling on her life. She's got a special role to play in God's kingdom. And as she grows, and as she's figuring out what are those gifts, and, and what is that role, and, and what is my calling, I want her to always, always know that her gender is a gift. It's, it's not a limitation. And that if she feels called to lead, she can lead. And if she feels called to teach and, and preach, she can do that. If one day she believes that she's called to, to be a pastor, that, that she can do that. And I hope for her that she'll always have a church family in her life that is backing that up and that it's saying the exact same thing. So, so let's keep being that kind of church at Kindred. Let's keep being the kind of church where our daughters know and where our sons know as well and where anybody of any gender at any age is encouraged to pursue God's calling on their life, whatever that role might be, whatever that calling might be. Let me pray for us. Oh God of motherly love, Lord, in, in the scriptures, uh, you are described as this mother hen who desires to, to gather all of us little chicks under your wing for uh, protection and, and for instruction and, and safety. God, that's a, a vivid image of the way that you love us. And we're grateful for that. God, we're also grateful for the wonderful women that we have here at Kindred who are in leadership in so many different roles, in so many different ways. We're grateful for the, the female leaders in the, the church at large and, and the ways that they advance our mission as the, the body of Christ in this world. Um, God, we just believe that we're better for it. We believe that we're following in the example that you've set for us in Jesus. So we ask you to, to bless uh, all of us who are in ministry, regardless of, of our gender. Bless all of us who are striving to, to answer your calling that we each have on our lives. God, continue to guide us here at Kindred so that we can be more faithful in this way and, and in all the ways that you call us to be faithful, God. We love you and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. you, consider sharing it with a friend who might also enjoy it. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast here and give us a rating that helps us connect with more listeners. 
This free resource and all of Kindred's ministries are supported by the generosity of people like you. Your giving changes lives, and it helps us to share and embody God's love. If you'd like to make a donation, you can do so on our website at www.kindrednc.church. Just select Give. You can find lots of ways to connect with our community on our website as well as on our social media pages. Thanks again for listening, and we will catch you next time.